Our letter today is N, and our word is negotiation. Now, everything that we talk about is related to agile in some form or fashion. So let's talk about agile negotiation. And as I did my research, one of the references that really captured a lot of the same ideas that I have was the Agile Negotiation, the Agilist Guide to Persuasion and Influence. And it's a log, a blog on collab.net. So if you're not familiar, you just type blogs.collab, C-O-L-L-A-B, dot net. So to... Uh, Dots, a dot after blogs and then a dot after collab.net. Now, if I lost you on that, don't worry. You can always go to the description in our podcast and find the actual links. But let's explore this article on agile negotiation and the guide to persuasion and influence. The writer talks about, um, Several years ago, when they first discovered Scrum, and they went went and actually took a certified Scrum Master course, which a lot of people are doing uh, right now. Uh, this particular writer says they armed themselves with new knowledge, and they dove in the next week uh, as with their new Scrum team. They said they figured they had all the tools that they needed uh, to be highly successful. It just was a matter of being a scrum master and applying the scrum framework and setting the meetings and, you know, protecting the team, removing impediments, helping prioritize the backlog based on business value. So that sounds like a good description of a scrum master's role. So they felt like they were all set to be successful. Now she goes on in um, the next paragraph. As I have learned, a lot since my first week as a Scrum Master, my introduction to Scrum inspired the start of my journey to become a certified Scrum trainer and to eventually work alongside Jimmy here at the collab.net. Um, what she learned was that the CMS course only gave her the foundation, but that there's a lot more to being a Scrum Master. And that all Scrum Masters, all great Scrum Masters, need to continue to explore other tools to help the team become high-performing and to fully do your duties as a Scrum Master. So, that said, one of the first things that she realized that was needed was good negotiation skills. Really understanding the art and science of negotiation. And my own little sidebar is negotiation is something that a lot of business analysts are well trained and well versed in. Thus, business analysts also make great scrum masters. The scrum master role isn't just necessarily teller fit to just project managers. Don't forget your business analysts out there that have some of the key skill sets like nurturing a team and uh, helping to form and gel the team, 
helping the team come to consensus, um, helping the team come to common understanding. If you think about it, this all describes the role of a business analyst. Now, that said, let's dive a little bit further into the agile negotiation. Uh, the writer says, earlier this year, I was having a conversation with a good friend, Emily, who runs a consultancy to teach people and organizations how to negotiate skillfully and how to have difficult conversations that sometimes get brushed under the rug. She was working with a client who was using Scrum and was interested in finding out more about the framework. During our conversation, I thought to myself that the work she does would be amazingly helpful to Agilist. Um, thankfully, Emily agreed, and we started a discussion how we could work together to bring business value negotiation to the Scrum world. Well, number one, what's the definition of negotiation? So, anytime you attempt to influence or persuade someone, you are negotiating. According to that definition, everyone negotiates constantly. We negotiate with our colleagues, our managers, our spouse, our children, and our friends. However, negotiation skill levels vary widely, and we often fall back on traditional positional negotiations. So, in other words, I'm the mom, so we're going to do it because I said so, or I'm the dad, it's going to be my way or the highway. So, that's positional negotiation. Well, that might work well at home, but not necessarily on the job. Furthermore, positional negotiation doesn't embrace the scrum values of openness, respect, and can also alienate members on the team. So we don't pull rank, we don't use our titles or our positions or our seniority or even the fact that you've done scrum somewhere else or done scrum for a long time. Because I do see people pulling that card. Because they've done Scrum somewhere else, then they like to say that their interpretation of Scrum or Agile is the right interpretation. That is positional negotiation. That's a no-no. Our focus here is more on the mastery of those critical skills of listening and understanding different perspectives, helping to find that common ground and draw people toward that common ground. Also, keeping people focused on the ultimate goal, not making it personal. Those are some key things in learning to skillfully negotiate. And by the way, there are formal classes um, to learn negotiation and the art of negotiation. And once again, um, as the writer of this particular article says, it's worth going and taking a formal class. Don't be afraid um, to explore formal training. Um, another reference that I uh, had, just to further kind of reinforce that negotiation is a skill. Not everyone has it, um, but that there are classes that can help you practice and learn the art and science of negotiation. And so in this article that comes from themuse.com, it says five things most people don't know about negotiation. It says number one, negotiation doesn't start until someone says no. So that kind of is 
the kind of sets the stage. When someone says no or I don't agree, which we hear, you know, in the world of uh, software development and design and requirements, that's when the negotiation begins. Um, and a lot of times the negotiation starts with getting to the root cause. Where is the no really coming from? Okay. Um, no signals an opportunity to problem solve the conflicting or overlapping interests between the parties. Invite your bargaining partners to your side of the table to figure out how both of you can get as much as each of you wants as possible. That's the key to good negotiation. People shouldn't feel like there are winners and there are losers. Instead, they should feel like they at least got some, if not most, of what they were looking for. So that's the first thing. Negotiations start with the first no. Number two in this article, your bargaining partner will be happier if you make several concessions than if they get what they thinks what they think what they want. So with that, for example, uh, this is true in the same way that the earth is round or the universe is expanding are true. And experiment after experiment, social science have proven that people are not particularly happy when they get what they think they want. They're happier when their bargaining partner says no a couple of times before they say yes. And I can relate to that uh, even in the art and science of real estate negotiation. You put a number out there. You know you may not get that whole number that you're asking for, but they'll throw a number out, and you're not going to immediately say yes. Then you give a counter offer, and that's the whole art and science of haggling. Okay, Number three on our list here of five things most people don't know about negotiation. It's never about the money. It says, though we seldom reflect on our relationships with money, if asked, we'd have to admit that money itself in its tangible form can neither sustain life nor enhance it. They go on to say that cash, checks, credit, money orders, and wire transfers cannot themselves be consumed. Grant deeds and lease agreements cannot be inhabited. Stark certificates can't create warmth in winter nor illuminate the dark of night. So, uh, a lot of theoretical uh, examples there. But they said, that being the case, there's no relationship in every relationship between any given sum of money and what it can buy. So, with $20 in my wallet, I can purchase dinner for 5 at McDonald's or a bottle of cheap Bordeaux at a local restaurant. I can pick up a pair of sandals at Payless. Subscribe to Time Magazines for six months. I can rent a surfboard at the beach or I can fill half my tank with gas. Before negotiating any deal, take a look at the way in which the you value money. And this will determine a lot about how you spend your money and what something is worth to you. So keep that in mind. And another twist on that is I've always been told is when you go in to negotiate something, already have the number in mind by which you will not go past. 
This is what is worth to you and you absolutely will not go passive. Same with selling. If something is worth something, establish the value in your mind and don't get lost in the negotiation itself. Case in point, ever been on eBay and you start negotiating uh, and just for the fun of it, you're hitting buttons and you're watching the numbers and just the tangle of going back and forth with other bidders. Boy, can you get in big trouble and end up spending more than you ever intended. So know what something is worth from you. That's what I take away from number three. Quickly going to number four, your bargaining strength is all in your head. The person who is perceived to have the least to lose is a person with the greatest bargaining advantage. If you're negotiating, that is having a conversation leading to agreement, there's always something at stake for both parties. Okay, then give a good example. Um, many say the Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York real estate markets are overheated and that everything is overpriced. It's a seller's market. It seems as if there are an unlimited number of people willing to pay over asking and many of them all cash for every home or condo or co-op for sale. Does that mean that all buyers are in a weak negotiating position and all sellers are in great negotiating positions? Not necessarily. The author continues to write, every seller is selling for a different reason. A considerable number of homeowners are retiring. Their kids are gone and they don't need so much space anymore. So the key here is, that your bargaining strength is all in your head. You don't let the what people say, uh, in, in the case here about a strong real estate market, get in your head. Because then you think you have to pay whatever this seller puts out there. So, number five, last on our list here. Any reason is far better than no reason and nearly as good as an excellent one. That's a mouthful. Full. Um, any reason is far better than no reason and nearly as good as an excellent one. So when people estimate their value to their company by the results that their work has produced, they often hesitate sharing this information. I can't prove that, they say. And being unable to prove it, they feel unable or willing to take credit for it. Here's the super secret of all negotiations. And this is helpful, uh, especially when you're negotiating salaries. <laughs> That's another time when we find ourselves negotiating, not just in the... Uh, in the realm of agile and working with your team and negotiating for requirements and priorities, we negotiate at least hopefully once a year for salary increase. So you don't have to prove something that justifies what you want. All you have to do is say it. Okay. So ultimately, and for example, proving your worth, you can state something and submit it as evidence. Don't think that you're in a court of law where there has to be some tangible evidence. But if you produce something and it produced some results, that in itself is your proof. So 
Don't feel like you have to over justify and back up something that you want or feel you deserve, especially in the realm of salary. It's always good to show comparables, other people who are doing the same amount of work and what they're being paid. And that's a good way to come in to your negotiations with some facts and figures to back you up. So that said, the art and science of negotiation, um, explore it, explore some uh, classes and um, some opportunities to do some hands-on role-playing and continue to hone your skill. All right, that's all for today on our Agile Alphabet. Thanks for tuning in.